0: Back to my life. You're listening to episode 192 of the Wolf Tech Today Podcast. And I'm your host, Craig Iskwoods, founder of Edward Group Consulting. This podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices all around wealth management technology. And this episode is part of our ongoing series called FinTech Startups, where we talk to founders about the journeys they went through when they had an idea and decided to launch a new company to build and sell it. We chose this topic because Here at Ezra Group, we work with a lot of fintech firms, help them not only expand into new client markets and segments, but also to better understand their competitors, gaps in their products, size of their markets, and the trends that will impact their business and much, much more. I had a fun conversation with today's guest, Lacey Shrum from SmartKX. Now, Lacey was originally a lawyer, and then she became a chief compliance officer before she got the bug and started her first startup back in 2016. She became a fintech founder in 2018 with her second startup, uh, which was SmartKX, which provides billing software for RIAs. And you should follow Lacey on Twitter at Lacey underscore Shrum, that's S-H-R-U-M. Now, a few quick housekeeping notes before we continue. Please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Here, as a group, we support a number of worthy causes and charities, and one that I recommend you checking out is the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. You can learn more about them at investinothers.org. And now, let's kick this thing off. I am excited to introduce my next guest on the program. It is Lacey Shrum, founder of SmartKX. Lacey, thanks for being here.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
0: It is a pleasure. And we just saw each other in person. That's right. Last That's week, right. in another way far west out in Utah at the Alliance Conference. It was great to see you.
1: Yeah, it was so great to see you. Great conference, uh, impeccable weather. Can't ask for really anything better.
0: It was crazy how, how nice the weather was.
1: I know. I know.
0: And where are you calling in from now, Lacey?
1: I'm dialing in from Dallas, Texas.
0: Beautiful Dallas, Texas, where we all love the people, but hate the football team.
1: <laughs> I knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yes, it is a beautiful rainy day in Dallas.
0: It's pouring rain in Dallas. It's terrible. In yes. fact, the, the weather is so bad in Dallas that you're jealous of me being in New Jersey right now where it's sunny. Maybe. A little bit, maybe a little bit.
1: It's it's your show, Craig.
0: That's right. <laughs> whatever you want to say, you just say I'm just gonna edit it out, whatever you don't let's say bad about New Jersey. I'm just gonna cut it right fair, out.
1: Fair, fair. And I'll make I'll piece your words
0: together. Say, I think New Jersey is great. Okay.
1: <laughs> You'll create another version of me. I'll make what an alternate version, alternate Lacey yeah. version. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Right. So Lacey, um, Uh, Greg, glad you hear the program. Uh, For everyone who may be not aware of Smart KX, can you give us the 30-second elevator pitch?
1: Yes. So uh, I'm an attorney. I was at an RIA. I worked with tons of RIAs. They all disliked fee billing. Um, They would bill quarterly. They would grumble at it. It was difficult. It was manual. What was worse is the SEC would come in, ask to see the fees versus contracts. Most of the time they were failing. Uh, The SEC confirmed that last year in a risk alert. So I built SmartKX to automate the fee process into one seamless click of a button. And uh, along with calculating fees, it also just drafts and discloses the fees to the client. So your fees are automatic and always exactly as you and the client have agreed agreed to.
0: I always find it interesting why someone starts a company especially a tech company it's always an interesting story so it was really scratching your own itch or you were you were seeing the problems firsthand and decided to build your own solution
1: yeah i really i'm a lawyer and i really was interested in technology. So I went down I've had other businesses, other, you know, somewhat startups in the past just trying things, um tinkering with things and um there was just this massive problem with fees and when you looked at it you're like why were fees in a portfolio management system when they really don't they aren't married to that. Uh they really have no relationship and um They are married to what the client disclosure says, what the math is and what the accounts are managing, how you're going to bill on those. So um, it kind of clicked for me from an automation perspective. Uh, I'm sure, as you know, I went down the rabbit hole deep on crypto, specifically Bitcoin and just learning how technology could take places of manual processes um, and really automate them and automate them. And this was one of them. So that was
0: Kind of what started the journey and that's uh now i'm remembering how we met we were talking online on twitter we met uh talking about crypto and other technology things and we we talked a while online and then we finally met at the risk conference in palm springs in 2021 which was the first conference back after post-covid and that was so mm-hmm. much fun out in palm springs finally get around people.
1: Yeah. And the location was great. We were outside. It was in and out. Everyone was out and back and got to see people in real life, which
0: mm-hmm.
1: we had been doing.
0: What's me? I've never been to Palm Springs before. The airport is outside.
1: I love it. <laughs> Did you go into Palm Springs to see are you into any of the modernism architecture, anything like that?
0: I am into architecture, but I didn't go. I I just mm-hmm. stayed at the at the resort. But we drove through it to, from the airport to the resorts so i saw a little bit but no i didn't get the chance to go through hopefully i get to go back one day and then so we saw each, we saw each other last week risk lies again and we're going to see yeah. each other market council in december which will be yep uh, awesome Although I, I prefer miami to vegas but you know brian wants to have it in vegas so we'll go to vegas
1: i know it's his conference so
0: it's his <laughs> conference he gets to bring his toys wherever he wants to have them when you're starting a company What is the biggest? What are some of the biggest obstacles you have to overcome?
1: Uh, A a company in general, or I'm sorry, fintech.
0: A A fintech like you start, you're still in a startup.
1: Yeah. So when you're at the very, very onset, you've got to obviously figure out who's going to do the work. So I come from a ranching background. My family's in ranching and in construction. And one of the, you know, that, that makes it a a easy transition to any type of entrepreneur, but also a FinTech company, which we can talk about later. But, um, one of the safety things in those industries is you can always go out and do the work, right? Like you can go feed the cows, you can haul them somewhere. You can do this, um, with a FinTech, you really can't do that. You have to have somebody build it for you unless you're the developer. Um, and I, I knew enough to be dangerous on the development side, nothing to get this off of the ground, um, which was super helpful in communicating between the problem, the product, and actually how to build it. So, um, finding somebody that you trust that has the um, capabilities, that has the wherewithal of like how to just create really something out of nothing, um, and what tools to use, that was really difficult. Um, and then of course, like you get into the like money aspect. And, you know, the, the other thing that you've got to figure out is like, what is the one pain point that, that people will pay to have you fix? Um, you know, what is that thing that is bothering them that they said, like, this is the thing that I I need fixed. And you are the person to do that. When you're a FinTech founder, you have this whole vision out in front of you. And like, it's all about being a visionary and, you know, skate where the puck is going mm. and. At the end of the day, that's great. And you do have to have a vision, but you also have to just like really get into the weeds of like, what is the nuance that somebody will pay for me to fix? And will they pay for me to fix it? That's what it's all about, right? Everyone, I mean, the problem I'm solving, the SEC has said is a major problem. That doesn't mean um, that, you know, it is the headache that everyone wants solved. So uh, you do have to get into the weeds and figure that piece out.
0: Part of product market fit is, will they pay for it? You can have a great product, (laughs) but if no one's going to pay for it, then it doesn't make any sense that you have this great product because no one's going to pay for it. You can't make any money.
1: Right. And then you got to get them to, you know, you got to get them to pay you for it and then still, you know, helping them towards that vision to what the, the extras are on that you can you can give them so much more, right? Like you can get them in the door and then you can really, really delight them with things that they're like, I did need this. Like I do, you know, I did have this problem. I need this. Yeah. I had this pain and now I have the painkiller. But yeah, you got to get them in the door and have them pay your ticket.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to let the audience in on our conversation before we started the recording. We were talking about cliches and overuse of cliches. (laughs) You used two cliches in that one paragraph. You said, skate where the puck is going and at the yeah. end of the day.
1: Oh, <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah. At the
0: end mm-hmm. of the day, skate where the puck is going.
1: <laughs> and that's it. That's all there is to being a fintech founder. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> right. Wait, that's the tweet. Only time will tell.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, if you can read between the lines, we're not laughing at you, we're laughing with you. Synergy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, friction. Reduce friction. Find synergy, yeah. That's mm-hmm. we just made. We just basically gave everyone the secrets to success. Life in life, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you didn't realize it, you know. If you can get a diamond in the rough. <laughs> I'm just.
1: <laughs> there are dime
0: a dozen. <laughs> these these the advice like this is a dime a dozen. <laughs> but if you make a mistake, don't cry over spilled milk. <laughs> okay. So um, all right, enough cliches. What? Um, Let's talk about uh, one thing I'm always interested in is hiring. How when when you're doing when you're running a startup, when do you hire some <laughs> your first employee? Who is that employee and and how do you make those decisions when you've never done it before?
1: Um how do you make those decisions? Well, I mean, it's for me hiring a de- getting a developer was I, that wasn't a choice, right? Like I didn't have the option to go out and start writing code. I knew enough. I did take web development classes as a lawyer. It's a particularly interesting, uh, endeavor because you already are writing and thinking so literally. Um, but I didn't have a choice. So obviously I had to find a developer. Um, and then we, as we've brought on clients, we've backfilled, you know, some of the dev work, some of the product work. And I've always been really fortunate to meet people in my network or the stars have aligned, the interwebs have aligned that what they were looking for, we needed, and they had, you know, talents and capacity to take that on. So the, the people part, has been challenging at times to get the right people in, and sometimes the right people are the right people for a certain time, and then they have to move to something else. They don't have those tools that you need, um, so it's it's just it's relying a lot on what your capital will allow you to do and um, what talent you need, and of course what talent is out there that's coming to your door.
0: Mm. Yeah. I always find it interesting. You know, there, there's so many different things you, you can hire for, so you can outsource some, you can hire some, you can do both. Do you have a, which way did you go in terms of outsourcing versus bringing in hiring people full-time?
1: Um, we have, we really start with outsourcing. So i mean like our marketing now that's outsourced. Um, and as that kind of takes over capacity of, not making financial sense anymore we transition and if that person is ready we transition to a uh, employment or um you know seek somebody to fill that spot but it is in a in a fintech at really any stage but you know it is cash flow management you have to have the cash to survive and you don't want to mess that up
0: (laughs) no that's that's not that's, uh, that's uh Difficult for some people to do, right? Because it's, you know, when, how long do you go on and, and you know, making payroll? It's one thing we can't pay a consultant. It's another thing you have to, you know, you've got your employees. When that payroll comes in right. every two weeks, you've got to pay it. Right. Because laying people off sucks, I can tell you. Yeah. Uh, what are some mistakes that you made in the process that you wish you could do over again? And how, how would you, what would you recommend people have to avoid those mistakes?
1: Um, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say it made
0: a mistake.
1: No, I would say, I mean, I'm not I'm not that um (laughs) vain, (laughs) but I would say that the every business that I've had and every endeavor, like you just learn how to do things faster. So the mistakes, while they're not something like i I fortunately knock on wood, have knock on wood, have not had a um mistake where I'm like, oh, I would never, you know, that was so horrific, Mm -hmm. but it is something that you can move on faster Mm -hmm. from um, and get over sooner. So I think the, the biggest thing I've learned about in product is just what we talked about at the very beginning, like get that, whatever that little thing is, it is hopefully a part of what your vision is, but it may seem to you like, it's just so basic, like, how is this how is this person having this problem or like you know this that seems like such a tiny little piece of the big problem i want to solve but you've got to kind of let all your guards down to be like okay but it doesn't matter this is the problem they want solved so like let's start solve it it is a grain of sand in the big vision um and kind of letting the product letting the market sort of guide you but also you know you've got to keep some parameters in place Um, So that was a big one that took a little bit longer, but I think uh, the other one is just getting uh, your messaging down. I mean, everyone talks about just listening, 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 and being able to move fast. So being able to move fast over like things that aren't working, getting to a yes, or if not a yes, getting to a no, um, and keeping your mindset in a way like it's all i mean you were at risk last week jackie joyner kersey she talked about it's all your mind like she talked about winning that winning that last bronze was better than she didn't come out and say it in the gold but she <laughs> certainly said it was better than that silver she won at their first olympics it's oh, yeah. all about your mindset so like keeping the right people around you the right things that are coming into your brain and like keep your your mental game very strong
0: i was listening to um interview uh i think it was with 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 michael phelps's trainer and talking about how what what he believes one of the strengths besides that michael phelps is an incredible athlete but there's lots of incredible athletes out there right that they he built up a regimen that michael phelps did every day of a a meet he -hmm. had the exact same regimen he would you know you know drive there at exactly the same amount of time before the meet started he would sit mm-hmm. in exactly the same place. He would listen to the same music. We had the same breakfast. He would do the mm-hmm. same number of warm-up laps. Every the same every everything the same. That way, he was so used to that that it, it destroyed all the pressure that you normally have in these things because he was just doing his routine. Everything became a routine, and it helped him. It was one of the one of the things he said helped him towards being the, one of the greatest swimmers in the world.
1: So I will say. Very similar. I mean, having babies is the same way in young children. Having you been one of the greatest swimmers in the
0: world as well, <laughs> I think.
1: Having been the Michael Phelps of motherhood. No, kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah.
1: a routine, just like you thrive on a routine and it makes mm. even just... Day old baby like makes them feel confident. They know what's coming next. The vulnerability is not there, and you have to teach them. Mm. You know when things do go off course, when the temperature for Michael Phelps in the water is slightly colder. Like you have to be able to adjust. But if you are confident in your routine, um, you know. And people ask like, "Well, motherhood, having a startup, like it is actually a benefit because I am in that routine. Like I am in a daily routine. There is no." there is no cutting corners. There is no, you know, burnout of hustle culture. Like I am in a routine that the time is very set and thorough.
0: Oh, definitely. I have, I have three children as well, with three daughters who are all grown now, but routine is freedom for children, right? Because you put them in mm-hmm. a routine and they just thrive and understood that that's something that you learn really fast as a parent that routine is important.
1: Yeah. And even as an entrepreneur, because you could just you don't ask, you answer to clients, but that's it. Like, right. You can just spend the day not.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, your kids are your clients too, right? In effect. That's right. right. And they're, de- they're very demanding clients.
1: They are. One told us this morning at breakfast, I told you last night, I wanted syrup on the side of my French toast. You should have written it down. so you could remember <laughs> <this morning." laughs>
0: And now you can go sit in time. It.
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> What's my, my mother's, my mother's favorite line was this, this isn't a restaurant what I say. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm not the get. wait staff. That's
0: right. <laughs> who, um, who helped you the most in your, uh, startup life to become a successful startup?
1: I'm not, I wouldn't say the most, I would say there has been a host of people throughout my life who have like made it easier and have invested in me and supported me or just sort of teed up. I mean, my family is from an entrepreneurship background. It was always, you know, everyone was running businesses at different businesses. So my dad was a rancher. He was an auctioneer in an auctioneering company. Um, You know, If something wasn't working or something could be better, like it was an opportunity to be the one that made that and set that better. So I think that, and then the fact of like, when you're a rancher and auctioneer in construction, like something's always breaking. So your skin <laughs> is pretty thick. Uh, and so, you know, those kind of teed it up. My husband has his own business as well. So this, the support there and like the mental support is supremely helpful. And then I've just been lucky to have individuals who have invested in me. Um, my, the partner at the law firm that I initially hired and then worked for, and they invested, um, he's like, he took a gamble on me and, um, both financially, but also just, um, emotionally sometimes, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, has been a mentor through, uh, you know, how, how to raise capital, how to negotiate terms, what that looks like, how to set that up for success the next round. Um, and so finding people, you know, another gentleman has really helped me with like establishing relationships and networking and building like that home base. I'm not from Dallas. So, like, my network here is all homegrown. Like, I've done it all myself. Um, and then, you know, other startup founders who have had successful exits just basic things of like how to negotiate a contract, how to, um, what things enterprise sales are looking for, what they'll give on, things like that, um, that are just supremely helpful to know that you have those that support behind you with their expertise um, has been wildly influential.
0: Yeah, I can agree to that. I mean, I, I did some investing, and the first time you get came with sign these papers, and they, they send you the documents, and you start reading through them, it makes no sense. You're looking at it and trying to figure out what is what in here. Should I be paying attention to which terms do I need to pay to worry about, and am I getting screwed? I don't know. So having so, like I went to some people who had done this many times, and their the the, yeah. the advice is invaluable in terms of how to structure. The deal and how to structure the shares and you know and all this type all the different uh, aspects of a deal that can go wrong for you that you don't even realize.
1: Yeah, and you just want to set yourself up for success long term. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, odds are that you'll raise capital multiple times. Like you want to, and you can't solve for everything, but you want to make sure that you're protecting your investors, yourself, and your employees,
0: especially employees. There was a, another company that shall remain nameless. Was- uh, a, f- a fintech a wealth tech firm that the ceo sort of became enamored with fundraising they just wanted to keep saying he raised this money raised that money kept raising raising mm-hmm. raising and wound the up
1: friend of the past now Friend
0: <laughs> of the past wound up diluting the employees yeah tremendously where they really got screwed in the end they didn't realize it but when, when right. they finally got bought out the employees got very little way little way less than they expected and the, the investors took most of the money. Right. right? That's the way fact. the deals were structured. Right. Uh, we poorly structured deals.
1: Yeah. And just it, everybody, I think now obviously it's cooled, but like tech, who doesn't want to be in a tech startup and you're going to make billions and you're mm-hmm. the first in employee, like all these things. And it just, in Dallas, our venture is a little more tame just to begin with because mm-hmm. we're not on the coast. And so it's you know, not as, not as wild as, you know, we're looking for the next unicorn. Um, so it's a little more tame here, but just like, especially your early investors are usually friends and family, like making mm-hmm. sure that they understand and your employees that you're giving equity to understand, like, here, here's how you're going to get paid. If this is successful um, is really important rather than like anything, just selling this, you know, rainbows and butterflies.
0: True. That's um
1: yeah. I can't quit with the cliches. I'm sorry.
0: Would you stop? Would, would I mean you know it, it's it's time, right? The writing's on the wall. All right. You that's have to remember right. what goes you around. Automate comes your around. fees. <laughs> every, but but it's but we have to remember that every cloud has a silver yeah. lining. That's so true. <laughs> in this case, the um what about company culture? So that's another thing I when I'm looking at startups, uh, we hear a lot about culture what's the culture at smart KX? Did you intentionally create a culture and how are you, how does it help you grow?
1: Yeah. Our culture is someone asked me this the other day. And so I hadn't done a lot of thinking about this. I've thought a lot about it in my personal life, just what our internal household culture is, I guess. And it's, it, it when I stepped back and looked at it, it was very intentional and it has been with Smart Kx. Um, we're fully remote. So like our biggest, our biggest culture piece is all online. Like We don't see each other. We don't that time for social is just different in a, in a remote environment. And so um, the first thing that all of us have done exceptionally well is we show up for people. like we show up for each other. Um, our, we have a team meeting every single day, whether it's two minutes or 30, we all show up, we're ready to go through our points, who are waiting on for what, um, we do have, you know, some personal, some back and forth. Um, we are always readily available to each other and our clients bill mostly on the quarter. So like the quarters are an exciting time mm-hmm. for us. They've become less exciting, but, um, there in the first few quarters, it was, That's where our team was built the strongest in that things were going wrong. We were all there to help fix it. It wasn't done until each one of us was done and each one of our clients had what they needed for their quarterly billing. And I think that's the piece that has really been the bedrock of our culture as it is now is that we show up and we are supportive as a team, regardless if it's virtual or in person, um, that we've all got each other's backs like my team we we can slack each other right now um we're all there we laugh about it like i said before things break you got to have a good humor about it um you know curse a little roll your eyes but it's you know we're it's not brain surgery and so we're here to fix it and we have each other's back
0: and you know jim gaffigan the comedian he's on youtube you should look him up he's hysterical he he has a bit where he says you know, we always talk about, well, it's not brain surgery. Well, what do brain surgeons say, right? I Just don't them, know.
1: I don't know any. <laughs> but then it's
0: always brain surgery every I day.
1: I hope that they have a routine like Michael Phelps and somebody that keeps <laughs> them coached in a routine.
0: <laughs> it's not Well, exactly. Well, you know, Lacey, we've only scratched the surface here. But the writing's on the wall. That we're running out of time. Uh, before we go, tell me, um, let's talk um future trends. What are some future trends you're seeing that you think are going to be impacting our industry in the next six to 12 months? That's not the fun future, 12 oh, to 18 months. That's 12
1: right to, That's hard. Not much. I mean, we don't, we, of course, it's hard. Things don't move a lot a in 12 to 18 yeah. months. Um, I mean, I think clients are going to become more persnickety. Like mm. last year was great. Everyone made a ton of money. The market mm. was lovely. You know, advisors, of course, I'm partial to billing. Advisors were able to bill. It was easy. Life was good. And I think clients, I I know that it doesn't seem that way, but I am old enough that I lived through 2008. Um, clients are just unsettled. I think they're really unsettled from uh, everything we've been through in the last three years. It doesn't look like there's any like, you know, calm, sees ahead of us. <laughs> um, so I think there'll be a lot of persnickety clients and <laughs> advisors are going to have to, you know, ramp up the client service, ramp up their, um, knowledge of the markets, get deeper into, uh, understanding the fed economics, geopolitics, what that looks like. Um, and, you know, I think though the as with any industry, like the ones that have invested in themselves when things were calm and collected will prevail.
0: We, you and I met, I believe on Twitter. So news of of Twitter going private. Lacey, your thoughts, go.
1: I think it's a payment play. Why? Uh, because Elon Musk, I mean, he's been in the payment space obviously ever since PayPal. PayPal.
0: Mafia, right?
1: Yeah, PayPal Maf- Mafia, and he, I do believe he's a Bitcoiner. I, it doesn't necessarily need to be Bitcoin, but I think he understands that the roles that we've traditionally had to have banks or other intermediaries to move money. So if I'm going to send you money, there's probably about ten to fifteen intermediaries that are in there to send money. That technology can replace replace those intermediaries. Uh, Twitter has a great social network. Um, And I just, I think it's a payments play. I think you're going to see that payments, you're going to be able to facilitate payments between people and also payments for goods or services, services also including research, education, blogs, podcasts, things that you're interested in. Um, You can transact a lot more efficiently. It's it's faster. It's cheaper. You can transact in like tiny, tiny increments, um, which we've seen. It's been the trend with technology is to you know smaller but more. So, I think it's a payments play.
0: That is an interesting way to look at it. It's
1: not personally. my original thought. I did. I have done a lot of research, but I didn't just. I'm not that visionary.
0: There are very few original thoughts, but yeah, I, I get that's it.
1: That's
0: true. Well, only time will tell.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> and the internet moves at the speed of light.
1: Does it and though?
0: All's well that ends well. And this podcast is ending very well. And what goes around comes around. So you've given out a lot of good information. So that's going to come right back to you. And <laughs> when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Okay. Okay. Uh, So where can we find out more information about um, your firm, Lacey Shrum?
1: Yeah, you can go to smartkx.io. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter. um, And then of course, you can set up a meeting on our website or you can just reach out directly to me. I'm Lacey at smartkx.io.
0: Lacey, thanks so much for being here. It was a pleasure talking to you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, it's Craig again. Here are my top three takeaways from this episode. Number one, growing up on a cattle ranch is great preparation for becoming an entrepreneur. I did not know that. Number two, Lacey shared some hard-won lessons learned for startups, including get your message down, outsource as much as possible, and always maintain a positive mindset. Number three, every founder should have at least one mentor you can turn to in times of need. Building your support network will be crucial when the going gets rough, as it almost always does. Congratulations, you've made it to the end of another episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Please go to our website, ezragroupllc.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and subscribe to our newsletter. Once a month, you will receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, updates, information. You will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening, and talk to you all again next time.